Last week, we were in Luke chapter 14. This week, uh, we're gonna move to Luke chapter 18. So we're looking at another parable this week, Luke chapter 18, verses nine. Begin turning there. Let me bring you up to speed. Some of our trustees weren't here for our last message. So what we talked about in that last message, you remember the table? When you come to a table, when you come to a meal and there's seats that are at high places, there's seats that are at low places, then you take the low place because that's better than taking the high place, thinking I'm better than everybody else, and then being told, no, go sit down to the low place. You remember in verse 11 at the end of that parable of where to sit was, this, was the line that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we did that one last time to help prepare us for this one this time because we're gonna see the exact same line again. So there's a theme and a repetition that Luke's after here as he's recording the parables and stories of Jesus to remind us all and say to us all, humility is part of the Christian life. You remember it? The Christian should be characterized by humility and generosity. Our two points were radical humility, radical generosity. It's feeding into this. And so today we're gonna talk about these ideas, but today there's also a transition of what's coming next. So what's coming next is gonna be some ideas about the fact that we're not good enough and we never can be. Be like children when you come to Jesus. The rich young ruler who's kept all these. Well, go sell all that you have and then you'll be there. Well, I can't do that because I have great possessions. In our own power, we can never make it to Jesus and we're gonna talk about that. There's two different people. These two different people on one side is a self-righteous Pharisee who needs to be humbled. On the other side is a humble tax collector who's gonna be exalted. You're one of those two people in the room right now. You're either right now thinking too much of yourself or you're sitting there hopeless and not looking to the right things. We're gonna hit both of those today as we walk through this text. You got your pens out, you got your notes out. Here's your main idea of the text. The main idea of Luke chapter 18, verses nine through 14. Our hope rests in God's grace, not ourselves. So if you are trusting in your intelligence, if you are trusting in your ability, if you are trusting in your righteousness, if you are trusting in your talents, if you are trusting in your family, if you are trusting in your finances, if you are trusting in anything other than the grace and mercy of the Lord, this has a stern warning for you. Here's our outline. We're gonna look at two people. Then we're gonna look at two prayers. Then we're gonna look at one principle. Two people, two prayers, one principle. Are you ready? If you're able, let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 18, verses nine through 14. What's our context? He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated other people with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, 
not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Dear Lord, would you allow this text to speak to us through the power of your spirit so that in our lives we may humble ourselves so that we may exalt Jesus for his glory and in his name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. All right, here's our context. You heard it in there. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves and some who looked down on others. So as we look at and as we think about the two men, we see that we're gonna start off with that person who trusted in himself. You're talking about the Pharisee and who put down others. So what happens when you trust in yourself and when you think that you're better than everybody else, it's real easy for you to look around and say, well, I'm so much better than that person. And this happens in the things that we do well. Our talents, our gifts, the things we've got handled. You know, if you're, if you're a procrastinator and somebody else plans early and they look at you and like, you haven't studied for that test, you haven't done that paper, it's real easy for us if we do something well to look at somebody else and put them down because we look at what we do well, we don't look at the things that we don't do well. And so here we see this context, this story being told to somebody, trusting in themselves, and then also thinking they're better than somebody else, so they're putting somebody else down. So who are we talking about here? We've got two people. We've got a Pharisee and a tax collector. So let's look at who they are and what they do. The two men went up to pray. So generally the temple was on a high spot, so they're gonna go down to their house later. They go up to pray. It's just talking about their context. And here you see a Pharisee. Who are the Pharisees? Think about this. The Pharisees are the people that belong in the temple. They're the people that know the church words. They're the people that in our modern context, think about who's comfortable in the church. They walk in the church, they know where to park, they know where the bathrooms are, they have their seat picked out, they're really comfortable because they're there all the time. And that comfort level then allows them to think, I've got this, I'm in charge here, I know what's going on, and maybe you drift into this, and I drift into this from time to time, thinking that I've got this, and I'm better than somebody else, because I understand what the word sanctification means, and I understand what all of these theological concepts are. When you talk about the ordo salutis, well, I can talk to you about those type things, so maybe I'm better off than somebody else. And all that leads to sometimes is an arrogant theological pridefulness that doesn't glorify God. We are not called to be self-righteous Pharisees. And friends, when I look around the room and I think about my own life, I'm the guy that's comfortable in the church. How many of you out here are preacher's kids or missionary kids? Raise your hands. We're it. You not only know where all the bathrooms are, you know where all the good hiding spots are, so when you're playing hide and seek at that lockover, nobody's ever gonna find you. <laughs> this is to us. Because our tendency is sometimes to think about somebody else who doesn't know the words. They don't understand the shibboleth or how to say it. They don't know what's going on, and we look at them like, yeah, no, I got these verses memorized. And then you've got this other guy. Who's this other guy? This other guy's a tax collector. 
Tax collector standing far off. Tax collector doesn't belong. Tax collector won't look up. The tax collector is the filthy politician of the day that's made peace with the Romans so he can get filthy rich and doesn't belong. Who doesn't belong? Pick your person of who doesn't belong in your church today. That abortion doctor better not ever set foot in our church. Oh, you mean he doesn't need Jesus just like you do? That prostitute, that drug addict. Who is it? Pick your person. Your person that in your mind doesn't belong, and that's the other person. That's the tax collector. So we've got two people. The two people here, we've got a Pharisee who belongs and we've got a tax collector who doesn't belong. And then we move to two prayers. Look at what it says in verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself. Now, where's the Pharisee standing? We don't know, it doesn't tell us. But in verse 13, it says the tax collector's far off. So the assumption then is that the Pharisee is probably near because there's a contrasting image set up here. So even though the text doesn't say the Pharisee's at the front of the church, Typically, those who are comfortable may be at the front of the church, the front of the temple. He's standing there, and he's, he's by himself. He's standing there, and it says to him, he's praying thus. Look at what he prays. Five times in this prayer, he mentions the word I. Did you hear it when I read the text? It's all about me. It's I, 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 I. Look at what he says. God, I thank you. Now, is this really about God? God, I thank you that I'm better than everybody else. Is that really thinking and praising God? He's not saying, God, I thank you that you've given me gifts that allow me to serve you well. He's saying, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even, he's naming the guy that's in the room. God, I thank you. I'm not like that guy. Are you kidding me? And yet, isn't that in our hearts sometimes? Notice his position. He's standing. He's at the front. So last parable, he's at the front. Hey, hey, I know my place around. I know where I belong. I'm taking the best seat at the table. I'm up front. My hands are raised. I know the words to the song. I can close my eyes and sing. I don't need to read the lyrics. I know these verses by heart. I've got this thing down. It's all good because I've got it under control. And realize when you get in that point, and you will in life, you'll have those moments in life where you think, I've got this all under control, is the moments that God sends something that comes and whacks you at the knees and puts you down because when you exalt yourself, he's gonna humble you. Pride comes before the fall. Two people, two prayers. Look at what else he does. So the strategy of self-justification. Have you ever justified yourself? You're in an argument, you justify yourself. Something's going on in life, you justify yourself. Here's how you justify yourself. Look at it, you've got a textbook case right here. First of all, he looks at comparative obedience. I thank you, I'm not like these other people. I'm better than these people. Now, who does he name? He names the worst people, right? God, I thank you that I'm a pretty good guy. Like, I haven't killed anybody this week. I mean, I... I I haven't stolen any money from anybody this week, you know, unless you count that skateboard, but I really need to get to class because I was late. All right, that's wrong. I'm just saying, don't do that. <laughs> I thank you I'm not like these other people. Comparative justification, and all of us can do that, right? None of us are the worst person on the planet. And then there's negative obedience. Well, I don't do this. I don't struggle with this, but notice what we don't do. We don't look around for the best person and compare ourselves to them, and we don't look around for the things that we don't do well and say, God, you know what? I'm really not good at this. I'm just not good at this thing I should be good at. I'm not serving you well. When we justify ourselves, we're looking at the thing we already got handled, and we're saying, I thank you that I don't do those bad things over there. They don't tip me anymore. I don't like those things. God, I'm just, I'm good. I got it. 
And then it's legalistic obedience. The things that we do and we do well, we go way beyond. And so he says here in his prayer, as he looks at this thing, and, and he says, um, here, I fast twice a week. I don't have to fast twice a week. I fast twice a week. And I give tithes of all that I get, not just of the other little stuff that everybody else might tithe for. It's everything I get. And so here he does the legalistic obedience and he goes before and beyond what he's supposed to do. Is that you? Have you ever been there? Yeah, so have I. God, I, I thank you. I'm not like those other people. We've been there, haven't we? In our hearts, when our minds think that thought or when those words come out of our mouth, after this text, we should think, oh, time out. Because the fact that my heart is saying to me I'm better than that person or I can justify myself or that these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm setting myself up for a hard time to come. I'm setting myself up for a fall that's gonna come after this pridefulness. And I need to recognize right off the bat here that if that's the condition of my heart, if those are the thoughts of my mind, if those are the words coming out of my mouth as I'm interacting with others, I've got a problem that's about to hit me square between the eyes. Two prayers from two very different people. So what's our next prayer? Note the position of the tax collector. He's far off. You know what I bet he's thinking? I don't know, the text doesn't say. How often do you think he went to the temple? I don't belong here. I hope that Pharisee up there didn't see me. What are they gonna think if somebody sees me? What? They know I'm a tax collector. They know that people that do my job cheat people to get rich. I don't belong. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Without even raising his eyes to heaven. My mind, he's probably on his knees humbling himself before God. He's beating his chest. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in that phrase is the gospel. Because we recognize that there's a God and that if I'm honest with myself, I'm not even worthy enough to raise my hands to him or to look at him or to be in his presence because I am a filthy sinner. I am a rebel against my creator. I am one who has followed in the footsteps of Adam and my thoughts and my heart is wicked, is so deceitfully wicked, I can't even know the wickedness that's in my own heart and my own desire. And there's a holy, righteous God and I am not worthy of his presence. God, be merciful to me. Who am I? sinner. Uh, this goes on. Because when you look at this, that be merciful to me is the word that, that translates into propitiation. That's one of those big words that Pharisees use, right? It's one of those big church words. But let's walk through what that word propitiation means because it's in scripture in other locations. Hebrews 2, 17 through 18. I've got it for you there on the screen. Therefore, he, being Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God. This is the exact word as to have mercy. 
It's the only other time this word's used in the exact same form in the New Testament, so that he might make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when he is tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then it's in the noun form in Romans 3, 24 through 26. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There we are. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, a satisfaction for the sins of the people, making that atonement, that substitutionary penal atonement where he died in my place and for my sake, he is the propitiation by his blood so that he then can be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because God is a just judge and when he looks at our wicked, evil sin, it can't be in the presence of a holy and righteous God and he's overlooked that, but there has to be a penalty and I can't pay that penalty and so he sent Jesus to be my ultimate kinsman redeemer, born just like us, of man, able to lay down his life, doing so voluntarily in my place and for my sake to pay the penalty of my sin so that he can be my redeemer so that when I repent by grace through faith in Christ alone, I am then united with Christ so that God looks down and doesn't see me, the wicked, evil sinner, sees Christ covering me, clothed in his righteousness. So now clothed in Christ's righteousness, I can be in the presence of God. That's the gospel. That's crying out, Lord, have mercy. Will you make atonement for my sin? I can't do this. I can't do it. It's not the self-righteousness. It's the recognition of humbling ourselves before a righteous God. Oh, 1 John 4.10 says, in this is love. What is love? Love is this. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It is the way that we have mercy. You have two people. You have a Pharisee, you have a tax collector. You have two prayers, I, 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 five times where we tell God how good we are and where you talk about yourself and you justify yourself and you think you're better and that's a humbling waiting to happen. And then you have a prayer where it says, God, I can't, I can't do anything. God, I can't get it right. God, I don't know what's going on. God, I'm worthless and I can't do it and you are God and would you please have mercy on me? Would you make atonement for my sin? We see one principle. This one principle shows up right here. Verse 14. Which one went home justified? Justified. Just as if he had never sinned. Declared righteous in the court of law. Everything is wiped away. Which one went home justified? The one that belonged, the one that knew all the words, the one that knew how to pray, the one that could do the eloquent prayers, the one where all the words just fit together just right. Everybody looks at that person and goes, oh, they know so much about the Bible. They understand all these things. Is it the person that's got it all together? No, it's not that person because that person's trusting in themselves. It's the person over here who says, I can't do it, Lord. I don't belong, Lord. You are God and I am not and I need mercy and mercy's the only way I can get there. That's the person that goes home just justified, declared righteous. So let me say to you this morning, the devil has put in your head, I don't belong. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. You ever felt those feelings? How many of you have ever felt like you didn't belong? All right, let me just, let me just tell you. I grew up 
in Honeypath, South Carolina. It's right next to Possum Kingdom, South Carolina. Possum Kingdom had a three-way stop and we didn't need a fourth way yet. It was still a pasture. And at the Christmas Day Parade in Possum Kingdom, they actually had a pole on the main float with a dead possum up and they had the dogs at the bottom barking at the dead possum. I don't know if that's why they called it Possum Kingdom or not, but that, that's where I grew up, right? I had a speech impediment growing up. I couldn't say R's. My uncle's name was Ronnie with an R and I always called him Wani. All my R's were W's. I grew up in a town where he done it and we was was proper grammar. I was in college before I understood he done it and we was wasn't proper grammar. Some of you have heard this story, but I, I, I went and changed my major and my advisor said to me, you gotta, you gotta have a major. What should I major in? You need to major in English. And so in my mind, self-righteous justification, yeah, okay, sign me up. You've seen my writing, you know I got this. There's something special about my wording or yeah, all right, I got it, sign me up. So I go to upper level English class, critical theory since Plato. I'm sitting in this class, it's about the third day of class, there's only nine of us in there. It's an English major, I mean, come on y'all, y'all know how small those classes are. There's like nine people sitting in a semicircle, the teacher looks at me and says, what'd you think of the reading last night and my eloquence? I said, I think he'd done a good job. Okay, if you don't know, it's he did. <laughs> so the teacher looks at me and says, he did. To which my response was, I'm glad you think so too. <laughs> to which her response was something along the lines of, you mean also. I don't know what I said, but I had four corrected sentences in a row. And the only other guy that was in that class on the other side of the room said out loud, He's doing this on purpose. Nobody's that stupid. <laughs> Sweat beads, red face. I lean back like I'm, you know, ice, ice baby, vanilla ice or something, gangster. <laughs> class takes forever. Leave the classroom. Follow the teacher back to her office. Knock on the teacher's door. Sit down. Teacher, can you tell me what happened? Because I don't know. You don't know that it's not he done it and you're junior in college? I don't have any business being on this stage. I have no business being able to stand up here and preach the word to you. A sinner. I have no business being at a university. I have no business having a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, or a PhD. I don't have any business. It's only by the grace and the mercy of God that we do anything that we do by his gifts that he gives us. And so right now, if you feel like you don't belong, welcome to the room. I mean, let's be real. I feel more at home in a karate ring than I do in a university. Like some of your memes, by the way. They were kind. Thank you for being kind with those. <laughs> Let's be real. I'm from South Carolina. I can't say the word stingers without two Gs. Those memes were not kind, by the way. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't belong here. It is 21 degrees outside. I don't belong here. <laughs> I'm a sinner with a deceitfully wicked heart. Come on. 
There's nothing in me that belongs to be a person that gets to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, except by his grace and by his mercy, he is using fallen, sinful human being united with the righteousness of Christ to do things for his kingdom and for his glory so that he will get the praise and glory. So if you're in this room and you're self-righteous and you're justifying yourself by your works and you're thinking you're better than everybody else, oh, come on. You're just as broken as all the rest of us. And if you're in this room and you're sitting back over here right now and you're saying, I don't belong at Cedarville, I'm not sure I'm gonna pass my classes, I don't know if I'm smart enough for this, if they only knew the thoughts that went through my mind, yeah, if you only knew the thoughts that went through everybody's mind, if they only knew how deceitful my heart was, yeah, if you only knew how deceitful all of our hearts was, I don't belong because the devil doesn't want you here so that you'll hear the gospel, be in a Christian community, have your life transformed, get on fire for Jesus and go out and change the world. Don't believe the lie of the devil. If you are willing to get on your knees and cry, God have mercy on me a sinner you belong here there's a great reversal the guy who exalted himself yeah he's going to be humbled he's going to be humbled in the worst kind of way depart from me for I never knew you Oh, and the one who humbled himself. Oh, there's a great day coming. I don't belong. I can't do anything, God. Would you have mercy on me, a sinner? Not only will I have mercy on you, I'll declare you adopted into the family of God, a son or a daughter of the king. I will grant you a seat at the table in eternity. I'll build a mansion for you in my kingdom as it's made new. You will spend forever with me. I'll not only forgive you, I'll not only have mercy on you, you'll be part of the family. You will be adopted in with an older brother who created the whole universe and everything you see in it and nothing's gonna get better than that and that's the great reversal and that's why over and over in scripture it says humble yourself because then you will be exalted. All right, application thoughts and then I close. You know what I did after I first studied this message? Here's what I thought. God, I thank you I'm not like that Pharisee. Come on now, how many of you were with me? <laughs> Some of you were there. God, I thank you that I'm so church. I know I'm supposed to be like the tax collector. I thank you I'm not like that Pharisee. <laughs> and you know what? Right there's the heart of the Pharisee. So before we're too quick to judge the Pharisee and say never, 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 remember, if you had the thought cross your mind, I thank you I'm not like that Pharisee, oh, it's there and you better guard against it. What pronouns do you use most frequently in your prayers? What does that indicate about the condition of your heart? Is it I and me and my? Or is it you and your and others? We have tests. We can check our own heart. Do you trust in yourself? Do you think you're better than other people? Be careful. Students, we don't wanna see you humbled. We don't wanna see you fall. We don't wanna see you go through hard times. The word is clear, God's word is true. God is faithful and you can trust him. If he says that if you're prideful, then you will be humbled, then you will be humbled. Take him at his word. If he says that you humble yourself and you will be exalted, take him at his word. 
So what does it mean to humble yourself? And how many other times do you see that in scripture? We've already talked about one of the previous just last week. It's over and over and over. So guard ourselves with humility. And then finally, and for some of you, when the devil tells you you're not good enough, you don't belong, you heard it yesterday. God, I don't know what to do. Where are we gonna keep our eyes? On God? Is that when we lean into the word and we allow the spirit to speak to us through the word? Is that when we focus on Jesus? Or is that when we believe the lies of the evil one? I'm not good enough. I'll never get over these sin issues in my life. I'm never gonna be able to be usable by God. There's no way that God could love me. If you only knew what I had thoughts in my head or things in my heart, you wouldn't love me either. There's no way I can be accepted here. And yet God says to you, come. For God so loved the world. He sent his son, he gave his life so that all of us could be forgiven. Don't let the devil or bad friends or anything else tell you that you don't belong. You belong. If you're willing to bow and humble yourself and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Why? Well, here's our main idea. Where's my hope? Listen, my hope's not in that I'm good enough. My hope's not in that somebody finally teaches me how to say stingers with one G. It's not gonna happen. My hope is not in any ability I have. It's not in my intellect that's gonna go away one day. It's not in the fact that, that I have physical attributes or gifts or talents. It's not that you guys can play ball because you're not gonna be able to play ball one day like you play ball now. It's going away. It's not that you're beautiful because you're gonna get old. It's just gonna happen to all of you. Life is all downhill. You're one day closer to dying from this point forward. It's all over, all right? This is as good as it gets. My hope does not rest in what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. I'm one day closer to being in the ground. It's okay, because my hope's not in me. It's not in my brain, it's not in my words, it's not in my power, it's not in my intellect. My hope is in the one that created it all. My hope is in the one that went to the grave and conquered death and got back up and ascended to the right hand and is coming again. My hope is in the one who controls it all. So I'm not hoping in what I can do, I'm hoping in what he has already done. It's already accomplished, it's already over. I've got hope. In this world that's so destitute and so hopeless and we don't know what's gonna happen with COVID. Who cares? We don't know what's gonna happen with the economy. We don't know what's, I've got hope. I don't care if I die today. Okay, it only gets better. I know where I'm going. You've got hope. I don't know what to do. Look to him. Keep your eyes on him. I don't belong at Cedarville. Yes, you do. Do you work, work hard, build good friends, confess your sins before Jesus, lean into the word, no Bible, no breakfast. Don't go eat breakfast if you haven't read the word. You have no excuse because I see you walking around here with these earbuds in your ears all the time and there is an electronic Bible app that all of you can get and you can listen to Bible while you're walking across the, the lake in 12 degree temperatures, frozen solid, they're stuck to your ears, you can't get them out if you wanted to anyway. So just turn on the Bible app and let the Bible go. No Bible, no breakfast. Get in the word. Stay in the word. Keep your focus on Christ. You see him through the power of the spirit, through the power of the word. Get in the word because your hope's not in yourself. It's in the grace of the gospel. And that won't fail.
He's already passed that test. He's passed that final. He's got that degree. It's over. The grace of the gospel. God, you are so good to us. May we not trust in ourselves. May we never look at others as though we're better than they are, but may we see people as you see people, Lord, as people that you have died for to redeem from their sins just like you died for us, all of us created in the image of God equal together, sinners before the cross. Lord, may you help us to plead for mercy to the one true God as sinners who need to be redeemed. Lord, may you help us to always have hope because we always look to you. Lord, may you help us to live lives that glorify Jesus, not for our sake, but Lord, for yours as faithful stewards and faithful servants. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.